0: Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's com slash wondery. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Drew, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Ben.
1: Thanks, Drew. Each episode, we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight.
0: We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe wannabewalkons for the most up-to-date show information.
1: And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com.
0: On this week's episode, we will sample beer from Lincoln's Back Swing Brewing Company while previewing Nebraska's non-con schedule. I'm Drew and I'm Ben and
1: this is wanna be walk-ons But on my drive over here, I saw a bumper sticker and I wanted to see if you could interpret it because for me, it actually came way too easily, way too quick, but it was just a series of letters, which I mean, I know that's what words are. It's just (laughs) a a series of letters in the right order, but these, these weren't a word. Uh, So it was G B M F R T I D go big
0: motherfucking red
1: T I D T I D. Till I die. There you go, okay. baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just saw that. I'm, well, I'm, you know, incredible. for you, yeah. the go big motherfucking red was was real easy, right on the tip of the tongue.
0: Yeah, I have that lo- locked and loaded every time. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a Husker fan? Go
1: big motherfucking red. <laughs> Take that as a yes. Yeah. When I yeah. went to to college out in uh, in Greeley, Colorado, on one Saturday before a game, there was a Husker flag flying in someone's front yard. We were driving around, probably picking up beer or whatever for that Saturday. And I just rolled down my car window and I turned to my friends who were Colorado natives and I just said, watch this. And I just went, go big red. And then there was a beat. And then from someone's backyard, you just heard, go big red. <laughs> so it's just nice to know that go big motherfucking red till I die. It's out there. It just yeah. exists in the world. Yeah. Well, as you said in our, in our opening and as we said in our opening, our job here is to talk about some local craft beer and talk about some local craft football and uh let's let's get started with with some beer all right let's dive right back into exploring all of nebraska's local craft beers and we are going to start with backswing brewing company all right i'm very excited about this have Have you had have you had much backswing before um not a not a lot honestly not a lot
0: awesome have we done any lincoln what's that we did cosmic eye
1: yeah We've done a few Lincoln. Think, okay. You know, last season we really stuck to trying to do as much central and western as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this year we'll probably explore that part of the state still when opportunities arise. I know I've got road trips out that way, so I always try and pick up what I can. Um, but also there's a lot of great stuff in Omaha, in Fremont, in Lincoln, in Syracuse, and Beatrice. You know, there's a lot yeah. of great opportunities that are that are nearby, but you can't find in stores. So right. definitely worth checking cool. out. Let's
0: hear about a uh, Backswing.
1: All right. All right. There's an anonymous quote that says golf can best be defined as an endless series of tragedies obscured by the occasional miracle. I can't think of a better sentiment that bridges the game of golf with the act of learning to brew beer. For TJ Walker and Pat Simpson, golf was a way of life, but as family and work life started to take up more of their time, they found it more difficult to spend time on the course. Fortunately, along with a third friend, Corey Sinclair, the guys did find that they could make time once a month to brew beer the trio quickly found their first occasional miracle. An IPA brewed in their driveway became a hit among friends and family. Having an in at Brewski's, both guys were general managers in Lincoln and Omaha, respectively, the restaurant agreed to sell their beer on tap. Ready for miracle number two? A surprise to only those who hadn't tasted their IPA, Backswing's brew was overperforming at Brewski's, and the guys needed a place to commercially keep up with demand. When their exclusive contract with Brewski's ended, there were another 10 to 12 bars and restaurants waiting to sign on for Backswing's beer. Dang. Another brewery in Lincoln learned of their need for a brewing space and offered up their operation as they were expanding to a new facility themselves. Enter miracle number three. The boys of Backswing took over the Lincoln facility, providing them with the space and equipment to keep up with commercial demand while also creating space for their first tap room. Backswing Brewing Company was able to move out of the driveway and into the big leagues. Backswing Brewing Company has now grown to offer their beers in restaurants across Omaha and Lincoln, while also canning and distributing to local liquor stores. Their singular beer, the Backswing IPA, is now a part of a lineup that includes nine year-round beers, a rotation of seasonal releases, and the occasional limited drop. In 2021, Backswing expanded beyond their location in Lincoln to a second taproom in Omaha, where they serve up their easy drinkers to crowds looking for a place to unwind or take in a Husker game Hint, hint. Wink, wink. They actually open early on Husker game days. What I really love about Backswing, though, is their brewing philosophy. Some of the best people we've met doing this podcast share this same mentality about brewing beer. In their own words, Backswing had to say this about the beer they make. We brew honest-to-goodness beer, easy-drinking beer to tout out to the golf course, enjoy by the pool, or relax with in our favorite easy chair. Beer the way we like it. Straightforward and focused on taste, not complexity, and you'll like this, Drew, or trends. Brewing is about the time that we put into each one of our beers, the excitement we share when we perfect each one, and the connections we make with the people that drink them. And so our hobby became our mission to craft great tasting beer that anyone can enjoy together. So that's a quick story behind Backswing Brewing Company. You can find more by visiting backswingbrewing.com or by stopping by their Omaha or Lincoln tap rooms. Excellent. I like how you started that with with the, the quote about golf
0: and how that's like tr- a bunch of tragedy and occasional miracle yeah and these guys have done nothing but miracles
1: right. <laughs> like where was their tragedy but really though like you can see why the tragedy we're, was family got in the way and they had to stop golfing <laughs> and then from there they were like well then we're making beer I guess
0: so yeah um but you know tr- trying this IPA I've, I've never had this IPA before um and then it's a it's a big IPA like it it's, t- it's almost like a double IPA. I don't know how it's not with the the 8% alcohol um, and it being like bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, mine's already half gone. <laughs> like we, we just cracked these things open. It's so drinkable. Yeah. It's insane.
1: So for those who missed it because we didn't say it, we're drinking Backswings IPA. Oh, our yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is an English style IPA. It's going to be very malty. It's going to be very bitter. And it's going to have a real hoppy hit. Yeah. So. When you were drinking IPAs, you know, five years ago before the hazy IPA trend hit, this is what an IPA really tasted like, but I really love with this one, that malty backbone that it brings to the table. It really offsets that bitterness that you're talking about. Yeah. And gives it that nice, smooth finish. Mm-hmm. I would not have guessed this is
0: 8%. Oh, not at all. No. No. It, I mean, it, it packs a punch in every area, mm-hmm. um, but still maintains that balance. Yeah. I mean, I am, drinkability. I
1: am sweating a little bit. <laughs> so I guess I could have anticipated that there's a high ABV in here. But for the most part, I mean, yeah, really smooth drinkable beer. And it's not something that overwhelms on that hobbyist. You can tell these are guys who are focused on a style, right? And styles tend to be about balance. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. no, I'm, yeah, I'm digging this one. It's going to be gone before I know it. I brought more. so
1: Excellent. You know, yeah. you can crack another <laughs> one. It's not going to hurt my feelings. Oh, I certainly will. So yeah, if you get the chance, check out Backswing. Um, I was able to find them at a local grocery store. They're all over the liquor stores in Omaha and Lincoln. They've got distribution around the state and they've got two tap rooms in Omaha and Lincoln or go to brewskis or, or go to a restaurant. There's a good chance you're going to find at least one backswing on there. Cause these guys really got an in and figured it out. And when you focus on styles, you really can kind of hit the mark for a lot of different taste buds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of styles like this, again, like you said, it harkens back to like what an IPA is and it gets away from those, you know, the crazes and the phases that, that, hazy beer and whatever
1: goes through so yeah and and obviously not to knock on hazies no nothing they're against delicious them.
0: i've had some great ones nebraska yeah. brews some wonderful hazies
1: yeah but sometimes I, you want to come back to like, yeah the place where everybody knows your name cheers <laughs> uh, cheers cheers to backswings yeah thanks
0: for the uh thanks for this delicious ipa yeah thanks for not well shaking this one
1: <laughs> all right drew it's time to start talking football this season To start talking about real football, not spring games, not coaching changes. No, games against other football teams. Holy shit. We're going to use this episode to talk through Nebraska's non-conference opponents for the 2022 season. Very similar to how we did this last season. We're going to share a little introduction to the game. We've got some true or falses to test each other just about.
0: Oh, we got some good ones. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) This, This is
1: honestly, besides the beer and football, this is our favorite part, I think, of the year. Yeah. It might even be like higher than the... Football where we talk about losses <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to go in and, and break down a little bit of what's out there for the scouting report but before we get into that I think it's kind of interesting to talk about how the transfer portal has really made this shit difficult before the season starts
0: difficult in the sense like you can't keep track of anything like anymore, who's or, where or, and yeah.
1: why and how and just it's, what's going on
0: it's a lot it's honestly it's kind of fun it's chaotic oh it's chaos it's fun when As a Nebraska fan right now, because it's injected, I think a lot more excitement, Mm -hmm. um, a lot more possibility with this season. If we were still without the transfer portal and without a lot of these transfer additions, if they all had to sit a year or whatever, you're looking at maybe another like like dragging your feet through another three and nine season type thing, even with a schedule like this. So, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It's hard. It's hard to keep your head wrapped around everything that's going on because it's, again, chaotic.
1: Yeah. Thank, Thank God for the Internet. And for college football guides that, that are like, no, this, these like three people are still there. Yeah. That you should be <laughs> focused on. It's like, okay, well, at least I can talk about those three people. Yeah. So our first non-con opponent is the University of North Dakota, the Fighting Hawks. And here's a little, little ditty I wrote about them. Oh, all right. On September 3rd, Nebraska welcomes the Fighting Hawks of North Dakota to Memorial Stadium to begin a four-game homestand and the first of three non-conference matchups. The game is scheduled for a 2.30 p.m. kickoff on the Big Ten Network, sponsored by Cleveland Cliffs, the largest flat-rolled steel company in North America. If it's not Cleveland Cliffs Steel, then it's probably bullshit. That's an official... Is that real? No. (laughs) 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 They're a Big Ten sponsor, but that's not their slogan. Okay. The Hawks are led by Kyle Bubba Schweigert in his ninth season as head coach, after spending five seasons playing Buddy Garrity on NBC's Friday Night Lights. North Dakota, that's not true either. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I keep doing
0: double takes. They just—they like, really? look
1: very similar. Yeah. Buddy Garrity's a used card salesman. Bubba Schweigert probably has that in his lineage. <laughs> North Dakota finished their 2021 campaign with a 5-6 and six regular season record, going 3-5 and five in conference. The Hawks lost 5 of 6 games by single digits and either had the lead or a chance to tie in the fourth quarter in all 11 of their games in 2021. Such statistics should provide immediate camaraderie amongst locals for North Dakota fans visiting Lincoln for the game. Under Bubba, the Fighting Hawks are 47-40 with multiple 7-win seasons or more, topping out with a 9-win campaign in 2016. The Hawks' last Power 5 opponent came in 2018 with a 45-3 loss to Washington, but far more impressively, in 2015, the Hawks upset Group of 5 Wyoming in Laramie with a score of 24-13. September third will mark the first meeting between the Big Red and the Green Birds since nineteen sixty one, when Nebraska handled North Dakota thirty-three to nothing. Will Nebraska live up to what should be a dominant performance, or will North Dakota let the jet lagged Huskers fall into their trap? We will see when Frankie's foot meets leather Saturday, September third at two thirty PM. It's weird that they're not
0: our first opponent. It is. That's kind of it's weird me. how we
1: kind of do this, too, where we're like, let's do the non-con. And then Nebraska's like, let's go to Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Drew, why don't you kick us off? I've talked enough already in this fucking episode. Kick us off all with right. the true or false, my guy.
0: All right. Here we go. Here we go. This is my North Dakota true or false. By the way, all not all. Uh, most of mine. Two out of Three have to do with Benjamin Harrison. You can edit all that out. But I just former to president you know. Benjamin Harrison? Yes. Yes, that Benjamin Harrison. How many Benjamin Harrisons do you know?
1: I don't know. If you just know a guy <laughs> named Benjamin Harrison. Oh no. <laughs> all
0: right, here we go. Everybody knows that more states were admitted to the Union during Benjamin Harrison's presidency than any other, including North Dakota. But did you know nobody knows whether North or South Dakota was admitted first because president benjamin harrison ordered his secretary of state james blaine to shuffle the paperwork so that he could sign them blindly
1: okay i'm gonna say true and here's why i'm gonna say true okay i know this is a fact <laughs> That's I, a good don't know, to say I don't know i don't know the second half of it though i know that north dakota and south dakota have the exact same date yes they do have the same date but i don't know which one came first nobody does because it's true it's true but i don't know if that's why it's true that's why it's true that's a really great reason
0: and there's no reason right like it was simply (laughs) benjamin harrison had like some weird bit of tom fuckery that he just played out he's the most powerful man in the world at the time and he's like fuck it like just shuffle the papers i'm gonna sign them shuffle them up nobody will ever know and this is a mystery that ever since i found out about it it bothers me
1: (laughs) all right well here's my true or false the only riot in the state of North Dakota's history took place in 1969 and was a result of a Vietnam protest which spiraled out of control.
0: That's it. That's all I get? That's all you get. Oh, okay. did you know? <laughs> um I mean that makes I guess I mean Vietnam was that was a time of protest, right? Like all the protest songs that came out and Okay. The only, only riot. Wait, only riot?
1: I want you to focus on that part.
0: Okay. They've only done and, one? Like North Dakota is so placid, they're just like, ah, bucket," like, everything's cool, and then they're like, wait, okay, uh, no, they've had to have more than one riot, like.
1: Okay, so are you saying false? False. False is correct, but you're wrong about why. North Dakota's only had one riot, had nothing to do with Vietnam.
0: Really? They didn't care about, they were just like, yeah, Vietnam, whatever. Uh,
1: but both, both, uh, residents of North Dakota at the time were, (laughs) (laughs) were over the age. Okay, I'm sorry to do this, but now you're gonna hear me talk again for a fucking page. Let's do it. No, I want to know. I want so, to know
0: what was the thing that got North Dakota yeah, to riot? Bigger we're than i
1: we're, we're a podcast about beer, and you're about to find out a fact about it. While North Dakota's only riot did occur in 1969, it was actually the result of a massive spring break party known as the Zip to Zap riot. Chuck Stroop, a student at North Dakota State University. Could could. not afford to attend the more traditional spring break festivities. He came up with the idea of what was to become known as the Zip to Zap, a grand festival of light and love. Very 1969. Yeah. Okay. Stroop placed an advertisement in the student newspaper at NDSU, The Spectrum. But his idea was soon embraced by college students throughout the upper Midwest of the United States and states as far away as Texas and Florida, thanks to an extensive publicity in various college newspapers and in newspapers throughout the nation through the AP Wires. This dude got his party, put on the AP wire, and college students around the country were like, yeah, we're fucking in. Students began arriving in Zap, North Dakota on Friday, May 9th, 1969, and quickly filled the town's two bars. (laughs) The demand for beer was such that the tavern owners decided to double the price. This action upset the students. (laughs) Naturally. (laughs) Eventually, the riled up and drunken students took to the streets of the small town, vomiting and urinating on the streets. (laughs) It only gets better. This caused great concern, and the locals began to fear for their safety. (laughs) The temperatures fell below freezing, and the drunken college students started a bonfire in the center of town using wood that was left over from a recent demolition project.
0: That's responsibly... Resourceful? Yeah, yeah.
1: Reuse, reuse, recycle? Reusing. Exactly. Governor William Guy called in 500 troops from the North Dakota National Guard to quell the riot. That seems excessive. It does. <laughs> the guard arrived on the scene at 6.30 a.m. the next morning. Over 1,000 partiers were still in ZAP, although just 200 of them were still awake. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, so what's the ratio of,
0: of National Guard to drunk but conscious uh students at this point. oh
1: man okay so drunk but conscious yeah still awake. okay so it's i mean it breaks down to to basically there's there's five troops for every two partiers okay drunk partiers. yeah okay um but it, it would be it'd be two partiers to one troop which you know if you got to carry two drunk and unconscious people <laughs> out of zap yeah it helps to only have to each guy. each guy takes you know two guys um Also noted there was little resistance to the national. (laughs) (laughs) Damage from the riot was estimated to be greater than twenty-five thousand dollars, which is two hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty two. These bills were ultimately paid by the student governments of North Dakota State University and the University of North Dakota. That's that's much true or false. That's
0: incredible. So, I don't even know if that's does that they count that as a riot though, like cuz yeah. that just sounds like a party that got out of hand. Well,
1: aren't most riots?
0: <laughs> that's amazing. That is truly amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of makes me want to go to North Dakota and start a riot. <laughs> Good on you, North Dakota. Yeah, well that does it for this episode. <laughs> Dude yeah. just wanted a party, couldn't afford to travel south, so he brought the party to him. And he created the first. How much Roman do you think riot?
1: beers? Like, did they double from a nickel to 10 cents? Like,
0: I don't know. But then they did $200,000 worth of damage. So maybe that wood wasn't. That seemed, that also a, a, like their so. bonfire wood was not part of
1: That was like they were going to rebuild town hall. And they're like, oh, there's free lumber. <laughs> Should we talk uh, about North Dakota? I feel like we have. I feel like we know everything we need to know about North Dakota. I feel like if Chuck Stroop showed up with his riot. They'd have a better chance.
0: Yeah I'm endeared to North Dakota for the for, for the two reasons one that the, the one thing that um, got them to riot was the price of beer and um, and also their close losses in football games yeah you know feeling that pain.
1: So if the transfer portal makes research difficult on teams that are in Division one and a part of the football uh, Bowl series, North Dakota is even more difficult to research right now because there's just not a whole lot of information out there. So knowing that, Drew, why don't you tell us everything that there is to know? <laughs> yeah, we'll give you a quick rundown. Yeah.
0: Um, so they, they fell short of expectations last year. They went five and six. Uh, they finished. They were tied seventh in the Missouri Valley Conference before being or after being predicted to finish on second or third. So again, they lost a lot of those close games, which um, they got to feel like coming into this year, they're going to they're going to bounce back. They're going to perform better, at least in conference. Um, and they're going to be vying for a spot in the FCS playoffs. Yeah. I think that's that's going to be their goal this year is just it, to get back to that, yeah, that standard.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Bubba Schweigert is someone who's been there plenty of times. The the playoffs are not – I don't want to say that they're easy to attain, but they do take in a lot of schools. And so it's definitely an attainable goal. He's gone 7-5, and 7-5, and 9-3. Uh, and three. as as a head coach they've got a winning record with him as a head coach so so it's definitely attainable
0: it's possible um and with the guys that they have returning they've got they've got a lot of guys at back on offense they've got eight people coming back um, or eight starters coming back Um, they did lose Matt Willetsko to the NFL which creates some question marks there on their offensive line they've got some questions at running back um, having lost their top rusher from last year but their defense was great last year, um, at least in conference. They returned half of them as well. And so I think that they believe they have the pieces to put together a good season. Now, whether they have enough depth, a big enough team, a talented enough team to hang with Nebraska is a question. Nebraska is also a question. So,
1: you know. I would be very surprised to find any pundit or someone with a podcast or someone just yelling out their front door which we know people do, yeah. based on your anecdote. But. Right. <laughs> who, would, who would find that this game, they would mark it as a loss for Nebraska? Yeah. I think it's a great opportunity for North Dakota. I think it's a really cool road trip. And I think it is great for North Dakota fans to be able to come to Lincoln. Because it's not the worst drive in the world to make as far as distance goes. It's going to be a uh, very hospitable trip. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Because I think Nebraska really does appreciate when these schools come to Memorial Stadium. And we're able to show why we consider ourselves the best fans in college football.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think it helps, too, with Nebraska being down in recent history and and struggling with an FCS team in recent history. It probably helps North Dakota coming into this to think that they do have a chance.
1: And they do have a chance. Like, they're not thinking incorrectly. No, Um, and and, and in fact, that's one of the things that that concerns me the most about this game is what is Nebraska's mentality going to be coming off of Northwestern? Are mm -hmm. they going to overlook... North Dakota because they're you know they're an FCS team and there's no reason why they shouldn't win and hey you know we've got a short week because of travel so where's our mentality at or are they going to come into this game focused and on a mission and I think a lot of that will have to do with how they perform against Northwestern if they come out and everything's clicking against Northwestern hey let's keep the ball rolling and let's steamroll these guys moving into Georgia Southern and Oklahoma and continue on that that four game home stretch yeah, you, you hit on a lot of notes that I have uh, as far as their offense, their defense, and that sort of thing. They've got a veteran quarterback coming back who's uh, been a three-year starter. So he's going to have a, a great opportunity to really show some stuff. I, I found that North Dakota really likes to air the ball out. They have their most success through the air. Uh, so Tommy Schuster being that quarterback, he likes to connect a lot with Bo Belquist, who's their leading receiver, and he returns as well. Had 52 receptions, uh, 535 yards, and five touchdowns. But North Dakota's not a huge Offensive team, especially of last year, they they really struggled on that front. And knowing where Nebraska's defensive line and especially their linebacker play is, I think North Dakota is going to have a real challenge moving the ball against Nebraska until maybe later in the game when when starters and second stringers start to cycle out. Yeah,
0: I agree, and it, and I think some of that do comes back to their lack of experience and depth at running back. Like you said, their quarterback's great; he has a sixty five percent career completion percentage. Um you know, he does really well. The thing that they struggled with last year, and Nebraska fans will find this familiar, is they could move the ball okay, but they couldn't seal the deal. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't yeah. uh, convert opportunities. So, you know, we'll see how they do this year.
1: One of the other things that kind of concerns before them, you know, you mentioned the running back room, but also only 25% of their offensive line consists of upperclassmen. So they've got a really young offensive line, and going against guys like Luke Reimer and Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner and Ty Robinson and... The polar bear and the list goes on and on and on mm-hmm. that's going to create a lot of havoc for these guys and that's the thing to me that might motivate nebraska is like hey we're going to get to eat so let's get out there and, and, and build that confidence that this shouldn't be a game this should be like a, a, a spring game feel yeah we I should be able so. to steamroll i hope so
0: because i think that'll be fun i think that will be fun for the defense if the line can really attack and get in the backfield. North Dakota. If if there is a strength on their offensive line, it is at, at tackle. Mm-hmm. Even though that they they lost Matt Wallesko, they brought in Seth Anderson, who comes from North Dakota State, which is a which it, it's rare for a player to go from from state to just to North Dakota. Yeah, but they brought him in to kind of solidify that position. And so if there's a weakness along the line, it's in the interior. So yeah, it could be fun to see the to see, you know, you guys like Mathis come in and you know, attack the edge and see what they can do against quality tackles. But yeah. then also how do our how do our big guys like Nash and uh, and Ty Robinson yeah. you know, how do they do it in the middle? You know, how do they attack this the weakness of the line?
1: One of the things that I would definitely look out for, flipping the coin over to North Dakota's defense, mm-hmm. is they've got an inside linebacker named Devin Oh man, I'm gonna butcher this. It's K-R-Z-A-N-O-W-S-K-I. So I'm going to assume it's Zanowski. It sounds like you said like three different radio stations. It's K-R-Z-N-O. <laughs> uh, I believe it's going to be pronounced Zanowski. Okay. The K and the R, I've got to assume like a Shashevsky. They're silent and they're just there to sure. throw us off. Um, but he was the sa- the leading tackler last year for North Dakota. Uh, he's probably going to be their leading tackler this year. Their second leading tackler went uh, to the NFL I think that we could maybe see in North Dakota a similar performance that we saw last year against Fordham, uh, where Ryan Greenhagen put up 31 tackles. Oh, I that think, was fucking crazy, right? Where you yeah. know, and that's the thing that I love about these games is it's like Nebraska fans have such an appreciation when they see hard football play. They don't care who it is if it's mm-hmm. a good game. There's still the sense of like, hey, we got to be a part of that. Yeah, and so I think that we could see a performance similar to that. Now, Greenhagen set uh, an NCAA record with 31 tackles in a single game. I'm not expecting that, but I think that we will see kind of that like real appreciation and like that's a good football player on the field because he's going to be there doing a lot of work. He's going to be plugging up the middle and my guess is he's going to be flying all over the field to help his team out. So I'm looking forward to to seeing that defensive performance and and cheering on, you know, great effort throughout this entire game.
0: Do you have a prediction for this game?
1: You bet your ass I do. (laughs) So I, I looked into and considered how nebraska's played uh fcs opponents and some of their you know division one non group of five non power five opponents and there always seems to be some sort of late score that takes place in the game there always seems to be like a little bit of jitters that got to get out of the way in the beginning so we hold them to a field goal or something like that um so i've got nebraska 48 to nine in this game Uh, i think the offense is going to roll they're going to have a lot of success i think you're going to see a lot of guys get in get some good reps i think we might see multiple quarterbacks In this game, I'm hoping this is the kind of game you want to see, like the one guy, I want to see the two guy, and then late in the fourth, I want to see the three guy, Yeah, give them all real life reps, Uh, but I think that we continue to move the ball, especially with our wide receivers, their secondary plays fairly soft, so I think that we're going to have a lot of big strike touchdowns, I think there's going to be less ground and pound and more like, it's going to see the difference of talent. Yeah. The differing of talent between Nebraska's offense and North Dakota's defense. And I think that's gonna wind up with a, a pretty high score. Yeah. And
0: they their defense does not see a lot of big
1: passing games.
0: Just in the conference they play and it's a ground and pound. And it's a cold environment. Heavy. I mean, yeah. it's
1: it, you know, a lot of those teams have indoor stadiums. It's tailored, yeah. It's yeah. tailored to
0: that, and so they just they do well against big pass plays, uh, or they did last year statistically, but they didn't see a lot of them.
1: And they're also not seeing the size bodies with the hands mm-hmm. that, that Nebraska has brought in and has coached up, and and we're going to see the emergence of Mickey Joseph's receiver room. And it's going to okay. be in full... Because these are guys Excuse who are just... They're chomping yeah. at the bit to show what they've got. And the spring game wasn't that opportunity because everything was played close to the chest. Nobody wanted to give away their cards because we've got this new fusion offense between what we consider to be two offensive gurus in, in Frost and in uh, Whipple. So, yeah. What do, you, what do you have for a score?
0: Um, I've got some really, really close years. I have it down for 49-14. to 14, And it's kind of similar, I think, like an early score and a late score. Jet lag maybe still kind of playing a role in this thing early on and then late, just the you know, the backup, backup, backup guys that you yeah, know give up a drive with North Dakota still fighting at the end. So
1: I don't doubt that. The way that they riot over beer, I'm I, sure they'll <laughs> fight. <laughs> they'll fight nonstop.
0: Yeah. So I and they and you know, I'm not too worried about their special teams, so I don't like give them the bonus field goal, you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. So it's it's yeah, I think a touchdown early, a touchdown late, and I think Nebraska You know, showcases a little bit of what they can do on offense. And I think the defense plays pretty lights out in the middle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So let's move on to Georgia Southern. And Drew, you have the intro on this one.
0: All right. On September 10th, the Eagles of Georgia Southern will enter Lincoln's Memorial Stadium under the cover of night when they take on Nebraska. Kickoff is scheduled for 6.30 p.m. And the lights should kick on by 7.30 as the sun is projected to set at 7.43 p.m according to my sources. FS1 is scheduled to broadcast the matchup, but if and when the preceding game runs long, be ready to switch your TV to Fox News, Fox Sports, Fox Entertainment, Fox Business, FS2, FS Midwest, FS3, b or Fox Outkick. Whatever the hell that is. Georgia Southern is coming off a disappointing 3-9 and nine regular season where they went 2-6 and six in conference play. After only four games in the 2021 season, Georgia Southern fired head coach Chad Lunsford after going 28-21 and 21 over three full and two partial seasons. In all three of his full seasons, the Eagles won at least seven games, which doesn't seem that bad to me. This past off season, Georgia Southern's AD made a splash by hiring former USC head coach Clay Helton. This hire shocked many as Georgia Southern chose to leave their option-running, national championship-winning pass behind in exchange for a flashier West Coast-style offense which, as we know here in Nebraska, never backfires. Clay Helton comes to Georgia Southern after going 46-24 and during his time at USC, including multiple 10-win seasons, a conference championship, and two conference division titles. It's safe to say we've seen coaches retained for less. Helton was relieved of his duty as head coach of USC after two games in 2021, going 1-1, and seemingly failing to hit his mutually agreed-upon metrics. The Georgia Southern Eagles enter this game with an 0-2 record against the Big Ten all-time, including a near-upset of Minnesota in 2019, where they held the lead with less than four minutes to go until the Golden Gophers scored the game-winning touchdown. Will Helton's Cali Georgie style... Georgie. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Man, this is rough. I blame I blame backswing. And <laughs> this delicious beer. Woo. All right. Will Helton's Cali, Georgia style shock Husker Nation, or will Nebraska revel in their Oklahoma tune-up as Georgia Southern continues to establish their post-option identity? We'll find out when the streetlights come on around seven on Saturday, September tenth.
1: So, true or false is okay. with Georgia Southern after that lovely and perfectly, shall I say, perfectly performed intro? Thank you. I'll give you a, a breather and and uh, <laughs> I'll start with my true or false. All right. So, Georgia Southern, true or false? Citing its magical properties, the Georgia Southern football team exclusively drinks water from beautiful Eagle Creek on the sidelines. Is Eagle Creek on the sidelines or the water that they drink is they drink it on the sidelines? Well, I don't want to give away the answer. (laughs) The water they drink on the sidelines comes from Eagle Creek. Comes from Eagle Creek. Citing magic properties. Yes.
0: I'm going to say I'm going to say true.
1: It is false. Damn. and You're going to find out why. I wanted to believe in the magic. When Georgia Southern resurrected the football program in 1981, traditions and spirit needed resurrection as well, so legendary head football coach, Irk Russell, created his own. But inspiration came to him in the most unusual of places, inspired by the gnat-infested drainage ditch that cut across the field between the team's locker room and practice fields. Russell convinced his players that its stagnant water was actually beautiful Eagle Creek. <laughs> a source of "quote unquote" magical waters. That said, during their Division One AA National Championship run in 1985, Coach Russell went so far as to bring a jug of the water to the field and sprinkle it on the end zones and at midfield for good luck, and that luck paid off. Okay, so they didn't
0: consume this water. they did not drink the mad infested drainage cesspool that just,
1: was, <laughs> and I'll just get dysentery before. So there, there's actually there's. This this creek is like become a tradition for the football program, and it's really yeah. cool. They really embrace the joke. It, yeah. It's it's not so much about like that's we protect that. It's like this is Eagle Creek, and so they take a class photo for the football team with them all standing in this muddy, murky water with like their pant legs rolled up. It's something where it's tongue in cheek, and they get it. Um, but it continues to be a source of pride for this Georgia Southern football team that they know that there's a legacy to this thing, and um, and so I just I really like that. That it's it's something where they they know it's a joke. No one can make fun of them for it. They've got this armor about it. Yeah. But there's still this point of pride about this silly thing that's become a tradition. And I think that's what makes college football so beautiful is all the weird traditions that exist in it.
0: organic and quirky.
1: That's great. All right. What do you got for me, Drew?
0: All right. Everyone knows that the month of May is peak tick bite season for Americans. But did you know... The world's largest collection of ticks is maintained by Georgia Southern University and contains over one million species of the little blood-sucking devils.
1: First off, the thought that there are a million species of ticks. No, no,
0: no. Okay, wait. Maybe let me me read this again. (laughs) They have a million. Did I say species? You
1: said a million species. Okay, that's not right. Let me start over. Specimens? Specimens. Did you mean to say specimens? I,
0: I, Yeah, I meant to read what I wrote. <laughs> we don't have to reread it. I mean, we get it. Oh, yeah, it. yeah.
1: Specimens. One million specimens. Okay. Okay. Well, let's do the math. Okay. If, if a tick takes up one square millimeter, no, <laughs> they would need a million square millimeter facility to house all of it. I'm going to say true. It sounds so disgusting and so specific that that has to be true. And true. And I want to know how Benjamin Harrison...
0: <laughs> I thought about... I thought about like trying to like shoehorn Benjamin Harrison into this one and making, but he had nothing to do. Were with Were you just this. fucking with this me about just... Benjamin Harrison, or is he going to pop up? He'll, in come, he'll come back. He makes another cameo. Don't okay, worry. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, um, no, this is true. So they they do own and maintain the largest collection of of ticks in the world, uh, with over one million specimens. Now there are nearly eight hundred and sixty known species. It's still of too ticks. many. It's a lot, and they have almost all of them. Fucking the Pokemon here. collection of yeah. ticks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you can visit, you can visit and you can see these ticks if you're ever interested in it, but you can only go, uh, they limit visits to one hour twice a week by appointment only. Okay. Why did they say why <laughs> yeah. they had
1: to limit the number? That, like, because
0: people are so eager to like get inside a room with a million different ticks.
1: Get your kicks in our room full <laughs> of ticks.
0: <laughs> but they do, um, they, 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 study them right like there's like a point behind it it's not just because they fucking love ticks (laughs) but there you go that's yeah it's a that's a lot of ticks that's so many ticks yeah and also i so i started researching ticks so not only do is the month of may the worst time for tick bites but the 22nd week of the year which happens in may is the is the has the most like reported emergency department visits really yeah like it's very and it's not like that's the most there's like a legit spike every single like every single year the 22nd week so 22nd week of may uh stay indoors it's my advice to you
1: yeah absolutely don't go out and wear hats and spray deep wood off all over your body yeah this podcast is brought to you by deep wood <laughs> and cleveland cliff rolled steel if it ain't cleveland cliff it's fucking stupid <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, man. oh my god i feel like this is, this is i
1: feel like one tick is too many ticks yeah now you got me thinking one. about ticks i yeah. hate ticks
0: and you know what else they do they paint them gold so that when you look under the microscope you can see them
1: better fact isn't that what a microscope's for <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah but now they're golden
1: they have got the fucking notre dame of ticks
0: <laughs> they have a million ticks painted gold domers, yeah Oh. Well, I don't know if they paint them all. That's a lot. That's a lot. Of-
1: Do you think they just pick one of each species and they're like, this is the perfect specimen of this species. Get out the gold leaf. <laughs> all right, let's get off the, the, the tick shit, which Georgia okay. Southern probably has a collection of that too.
0: <laughs> uh, so give us, give us your thoughts here on Georgia Southern. What are we looking at?
1: The first story is Clay Helton coming in from USC to be their head coach which he brings in some serious skill and talent on the coaching staff. He brings in some guys who've succeeded at the higher level, including himself, and they're getting away from the option game, which a lot of Georgia Southern fans are a little weary of, rightfully so. If they've followed Nebraska football, <laughs> getting away from the option is very challenging. When, especially when that's a part of your identity, you know we still have a few schools who run that. Army being probably one of the biggest ones that is on the national stage that run that, and they have success doing it. And it's such an old school form of football that, when done well and done right, and you have the right bodies for it, can be very difficult to defend and control the momentum of the game and, and go forth on that front. Um, and Georgia Southern is a, a very proud program. They've got a great history. They've got a national championship winning history. And so I think bringing on Clay Hilton is a really interesting decision. And I'm kind of excited for this game to see how does that play out. The other thing that I'm really excited about offensively is seeing Kyle Treese again coming in from Buffalo, who's had experience against Nebraska. There is a, a good chance of having a veteran leader in that quarterback room and on that offense who is known to throw the ball around the yard and with Clay Hilton at the, at the lead. He's going to unleash Van Trees. Why else would the guy come here for his sixth season in college football other than to be the leader they need to help with that transition? So I think there's a lot of interesting stuff on the offensive side of the ball. When you look at the defense, they're bad. They're very bad. They are not a good defense at all. And if you watched their spring game, if you watched their footage, they look undersized. They seem to be out of place a lot. And they are not good. So... This is going to be one of those games where Nebraska's defense is going to have to mind its P's and Q's because Georgia Southern is good at exposing defenses that aren't paying attention. Um, and if their spring game taught us anything, which is about all we have on Clay Helton, is they've got some seriously talented receivers, and Van Treese will get the ball to them. So I think this is going to be a really fun game to watch. And it will be, you know, not to knock on North Dakota, but it'll be a better litmus test heading into Oklahoma than the North Dakota game would be heading into Georgia Southern.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and if you listen to uh, Georgia Southern podcasts, as I did recently, you'll know that they do believe that there is a chance that they can knock off Nebraska, even with being in this transition. Um, and again, like they have every right to believe that and see that. And and it wouldn't, it would surprise me, but it wouldn't surprise me.
1: I it wouldn't surprise me if this was a game. Yeah, if this was if this was a McNeese State, if this was a. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say McNeese State cuz I think Georgia Southern is a step above as far as like the But games the brand. where we we go into this saying, no we're we're marking these as wins. Yes. But yet we go in okay. uh, a Troy in Northern it, Illinois. Yes. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I agree with you that um it's a very exciting time I think for Georgia Southern to see what Clay Helton can do. He he was not a f- complete failure at USC. No. He just didn't live up to their standards, right?
1: right? And they brought in at USC, Lincoln Riley, they, who didn't live up to Oklahoma standards <laughs> of winning a college football playoff game, but yeah, I digress. Angry, we'll get into that right? later. Yeah,
0: um, I think bringing Kyle Van Treese was a great move because it brings in that veteran presence. Um, it gives you somebody that you can can rely on to communicate your your message and help help that transition. Uh, Georgia Southern has been slowly transitioning away from the triple option over the past few years. So it's not like a complete 180 for them, but this is like that final cut. Like right. this is like, no, we're done there. It's like, we're done with the triple. They're option. They're just ripping that tick off. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way, to, good way to put it. I think um, as far as our offense goes, like one, one area that they struggled in, and it'll be interesting to see if Clay Helton and his new system can help them is with scoring opportunities. Um, they didn't generate a lot of scoring opportunities with the, the system they had before. And they didn't capitalize on the ones that they did. And so it'll be interesting to see how they do there. Their defense, like you said, was
1: pretty atrocious. Yeah. Um, I've got one of, this, sorry, not to interrupt. No, no, one yeah. of my favorite stats is about their defense. So go can ahead and we, no. say what you're going to say, oh, and then okay. I will, I'll tell you my stat. That's
0: fine. I was going to say they're just, they were especially atrocious in their secondary. Looking ahead at Oklahoma and the way that we can attack Oklahoma by, by throwing the ball, if we show any sort of struggle against this Georgia Southern secondary, um, it's going to kill my confidence against Oklahoma yeah. for what it's worth. They were, they were just bad. They were 125th out of 130 in passing defense. Sure. They're undersized, especially on the defensive line, especially up front. Um, they tried to fix that problem by bringing in a transfer from North Carolina. His name's Christian Varner. He's a little bit bigger. Our offensive line should not struggle with these guys. Again, if they struggle with this this defense, I think that that's a red flag.
1: Yeah. Yeah when it when it comes to Georgia Southern the big thing i'm focused on is their passing game that that is their way to beat nebraska we've got a young secondary we don't have the experience that we had last year but we do have Travis Fisher as a coach and he got his guys who who hasn't he gotten that was his guy that he believes he can coach up so i'm excited for that secondary but that's the one like unproven factor where we had a lot of guys kind of cycle out th- this go around where i'm concerned and georgia southern kind of plays into that to their advantage with van trees They've got a trio of wide receivers who got great hands. They carved up their own defense in the spring game last year. Their top three guys combined for twelve hundred, excuse me, their top three guys combined for twelve hundred yards on eighty-three receptions. Those three receivers to keep an eye out for are Caleb Hood, Amare Jones, and Darwin Burgess Jr. They they combined, like I said, for twelve hundred yards on eighty-three receptions in twenty twenty-one, which is fourteen yards per reception. It's pretty damn good for wide receivers who are coming out of an option hybrid that, that they're able to take advantage of the balls that are thrown their way. Um, but when it comes to their defense, and and I guess for me at least, backing up the they're bad, they're very bad. If you if you look at just the stats, they were pretty damn good on third third down. They were actually 23rd nationally and getting off the field in third down situations. But you have to dive a little deeper with that stat because you got to look at how many times their defense let a team get to third down.
0: <laughs> oh no.
1: If Georgia Southern's opponents were a team, they would be the 16th most efficient offense in the country. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So teams took advantage of first and second down against Georgia Southern. When they got to third, yeah, they were able to get off because usually Georgia Southern wasn't the one creating the third down situation. It was the other team's offense was shooting themselves in the foot. And Georgia Southern could play to, well, it's third and long, so we know what they're going to do. Yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in this defense, especially early on. I believe Clay Helton can bring guys in because he's obviously going to use this as an ability either to create a lasting coaching opportunity for himself or get back into group of five power five. So I think his goal is to succeed. Obviously, no coach is going into it looking to lose except maybe Mike Riley. And so <laughs> I just <laughs> – so am I worried about this game? Not a ton, but I do think that there is a recipe where Georgia Southern strengths – play against Nebraska's question marks. And like you said, with it leading into Oklahoma, that's how we kind of have to view these games. It's like these are helping us ramp up. But Nebraska has not proven that these are now just warm-up games or, or you know, the pushover games. These are games where you've got to be focused because teams are treating this like their early season Super Bowl. They know that they can, you know, get into the the, the bowl game down the road and that they've got their conference championships to play for and all that sort of stuff. But this is the opportunity and especially now with the transfer portal, with NIL, with all the things that are benefiting the individual players, guys have every reason to show up when they're on the big stage.
0: And I don't think the Georgia Southern is a pushover. Just in general. Like just from like sure. they, they again, they have that um, that pedigree, you know, at that lower level where they have won. I think they've won like six national titles or something. They're in a recruiting hotbed. I think I look at them almost like UCF. Um, they're part of a growing conference in the mm-hmm. Sun Belt that's getting stronger as it as it brings new teams in. I think that that they're a, they a team that could with with Clay Helton works out like they could take off. They could become that next like group of five school yeah. that stands out on the main stage.
1: It could be a Boise State, a Coastal Carolina, a Liberty, mm-hmm. a Louisiana, a, all those teams who are cracking the top twenty five. Yeah and are making an honest impact a cincinnati even Clay helton has that ability and that talent and like you said georgia is a hotbed for recruiting like with ucf florida's another hotbed where it's like guys don't get picked by the big schools they want to stay home there's no better option than the guys who you know you're going to get to show locally hey you should have picked me
0: yeah yeah so it'll be interesting to it'll be a fun game when i say fun i mean it'll be we'll sweat it out
1: yeah to a degree wouldn't it be nice if this game's like wrapped up by the start of the third but I think that there's there's going to be a little bit more stress than that, Yeah, which is okay. I mean, that you, you need that kind of metal before you head into, you know, you need to prove yourselves that you can handle those kind of situations before the Oklahomas, before conference play, before making a run when last year you were a 3-9 team.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I have, that, I have that built into my prediction. It's not a gimme game. Um, I think as of right now, I have the score for 38-24. Okay. I think our offense does okay against this defense I think they could they should do better and they would do better if um, it was later in the season but I think there's still going to be those early season adjustments I think that their offense without us being able to scout it and have tons of information on it I think it could cause some fits here and there but I think that our size our depth and all that kind of wears on them and and we pull away at the end
1: I have a little more of a cushion mm-hmm. uh 42 23 but I think that we emerge later in the game and it becomes a depth situation for their defense where nebraska starts pulling away the offense nebraska starts getting figured out we saw that Chins can make adjustments we saw that he can tighten the ship uh, after seeing what a team's thrown at him in the first half Uh, that's how we stayed in a lot of games last year was that defense rose to the occasion so i think that this may be a nail biter through the the first couple quarters when you start to get into the third i think the offense is really going to blossom and the defense is going to just keep getting the ball back yeah so
0: if, if, I had, if I had to put money on it, I would say it's a one-score game at halftime.
1: At halftime? I could mm-hmm. buy that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd buy that. And everyone's going to think the sky's falling. Oh, yeah. But, but then the second half, they go, oh, okay. Before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. We do our show with no outside funding or advertising because we don't want to take away from what it's all about. Beer, football, and celebrating the communities we love. Our partnership with the Guild is not a paid partnership. It's simply a platform to share our show with folks we think will enjoy the things we're talking about.
0: This past winter, the Guild was instrumental in passing legislation that would allow Nebraska brewers to self-distribute limited quantities of their beer without the need for a middleman. This new law allows the smaller brewers a chance to compete locally with some of the bigger craft brewers in the state.
1: This is a huge step forward for a lot of the brewers in small towns like Taylor, Alliance, Hardington, and Syracuse, just to name a few. When you drink craft beer, you're supporting local small businesses, which is important now more than ever.
0: And if you're a fan of craft beer like we are, you can support the NCBG by joining the Nebraska Beer Alliance. Being a member gives you access to exclusive discounts, Nebraska beer merch, and members-only information.
1: You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting Nebraska.beer. All right, Drew, so our second beer of the day from Schwing is the Citra Kolsch. Now, this is a Kolsch that is an old-world beer. Obviously, the, the Kolsch has been around for a long time. But what Backswing did is they took the Citra hop, and that's the only hop they're using in this beer. So they're taking that really nice kind of straw and wheat heavy background and that backbone, and they're adding in some of this tropical notes that Citra, I mean one of the most popular hops in the world out there, and they're infusing that into that Colch recipe. So they're they're taking this really well-known and and universally loved style, and they're injecting not necessarily a trend, but just a hop that is in excess. And, and they're bringing those two worlds together
0: yeah and it's inspired this is a this is a great beer it's refreshing the you know the citrate you get you get kind of I don't know you get tired of it because you've had it so many times but this is a new spin on it for me at least it's a it's nice to have a like a fruitiness to a beer from the hop that's not it's not like puckery fruity it's not overwhelming fruity it's like it's balanced yeah really really well um and you don't want I don't know if you want to kolsch to really be hoppy at all but and i wouldn't describe it that way i don't that's just no it's you're just good you're, you're you not know? getting
1: that that bitter hit that you would get from a hop you're not getting any of that skunkiness you're not getting any of that you know we're, we're, when a kolsch is featuring a hop like this, this citra colch is You're you're not getting any of those featured hop flavors you're getting the best qualities of the citra and nothing else yeah yeah it,
0: yeah it's like it almost like yeah filters everything out and it just gives you a nice pleasant could
1: you imagine lemon. drinking this on the golf course this would be perfect this is a perfect golf course beer yeah i mean it really is because you're, you're drinking something craft you're drinking something local but you're drinking something incredibly crushable as yes. well yes yeah yeah and it's
0: not like they are it's not artificial nope anything like this is, yeah this is all everything's kind of playing with each other and
1: yeah this is this is a great beer i'm I, i'm glad we chose this one for our second one of the day from Backswing.
0: Oh, very much so, yeah.
1: Um, I was fortunate enough, like I said, to find these uh, at a local liquor store um, connected to a grocery chain. So they are widely available and ready to go across the state. But check out their tap rooms as well because they do keep some of their seasonal and one-offs just for the tap room so that you really get that special experience when you go in. But man, if you've had a round of golf and you're near a tap room or if they have it at the golf course on a cart or you're just Sneak it in your
0: bag. (laughs) do it break the rules. I mean who doesn't but
1: <laughs> check out backswing brewing company uh, they're excellent guys and you know what it was just miracle after miracle for them to uh, to get into business and and
0: I would drink tr- their tragedy at this point I would drink all their tragedies too cuz these, these are delicious I just
1: I love the honesty of they're like yeah our first beer was made in the driveway and it was because we were told we couldn't golf <laughs> anymore so we we're like well then we're going to brew beer fuck it <laughs> shall we get to the big dog of the episode who's that that is o-k-l-a-h-o-m-a oklahoma oklahoma Oklahoma. on saturday september 17th the oklahoma sooners travel to lincoln nebraska for the 86th meeting between the two storied programs the game is scheduled for 11 a.m on fox's big noon kickoff which ironically is named after a time zone neither school resides in the sooners (laughs) are led by longtime bridesmaid first-time bride brett venables and his road game debut as head coach Venables takes over the program with high expectations in tow. Under the previous coaching staff, Oklahoma won four of the last five Big 12 championships and lost all three of their college playoff appearances. Nebraska hopes to avenge last season's 23-16 loss in Norman. And in other news, the sky is blue. I don't know what else to say, Drew. If you're not already drooling over the return of Nebraska-Oklahoma to Memorial Stadium during the regular season, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to... Get you hard. I mean, September 17th, 11 a.m. on Fox. Boom. Yeah, someone else can pick that paper up. (laughs) All right, before we dive into talking Oklahoma, it's true or false time, and I can't wait to hear about Benjamin Harrison. Oh, you're going to hear about Benjamin Harrison, and
0: this is going to change everything that you thought you knew about him. All right, here we go. Everyone knows that Norman, Oklahoma, claims former Nebraska quarterback current Cincinnati Bengals coach and future Super Bowl champion, Zach Taylor, as a native son. You like what I did there? I do. But did you know, Ben, Oklahoma was settled over the course of five days when tens of thousands of contestants participated in organized races to claim the land on a first-come, 1st serve basis.
1: You've been true after true. I'm going to go with true. Just because it feels like...
0: Would I do that, though? Would I go three trues in a row?
1: Would you recognize that you did that?
0: I did it on purpose. Did you? Next time, I'm going to go off false, but forget that I said that.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say true, because that, A, sounds really fun. That there was, like, this this rat race to get to Oklahoma and claim land. And, and B, when you said contestants, I was like, oh, like, the price is right.
0: <laughs> the price was right for all these people, yeah. So true. It's true. So, okay, I, I used a little deceptive wording to, to make it sound like maybe more than it was, but it is true. So the territory of Oklahoma was originally settled between 1889 and 1895, during which time five separate races were held in which people ran by horse and wagon to unclaimed land within the territory, which they could claim as their own. So the first run was held on April 22, 1889, At high noon, a single pistol shot rang out, and 50,000 men, women, and children stormed across the Oklahoma landscape to scoop up nearly 2 million acres in a single afternoon. So in these five days spaced out over these several years, nearly 14 million acres of land were claimed and settled, which is about one-third of Oklahoma's total land area, and it's equal to about 10.5 million football fields, which is fucking crazy to think. Yeah. In just five afternoons, they settled a third of the state. Um, The first three out of the five races were overseen by Benjamin Harrison's administration. Yeah, the dude loved chaos. Like,. He I'm going to play three-card Monty <laughs> with my North Dakota
1: filings. And I, I my next idea, I'm going to make people run for their homes.
0: Yeah, right. Like, eventually, so eventually, they switched to, like, a lottery system. And then they started auctioning off the land. But at first, like, fuck it. We're all going to line up. And at high noon, no cheating, we're going to fire a pistol. And then thousands of people are just literally just running. Like, that's what they did. They raced over sections of land. And if you got there first... You owned it. It was yours. That's
1: do you remember when Toys uh Toys R Us used to do the kids run where the kids <laughs> could get the shopping cart yeah. and could just run through Toys R Us yes. and get everything? And you were like, grab the power wheels, and they never grabbed the power wheels. You're like, they're <laughs> worth the most. And they never grabbed them. <laughs> this is the Oklahoma version of that. It
0: is, yeah. And so Okay, so the the Sooner name comes from from these land races. So people would cheat. They would get there ahead of time. They would come in before uh that noon pistol shot and they would claim the land and then they would say no nah, i was here first and then there was a whole legal disputes and so on and so forth they called these people sooners oklahoma embraced cheating um we should probably call into question their entire football history
1: i love that like the smallest little detail was like and this is where the university got their fucking name and you <laughs> like, that is fascinating that uh, that toys r us stole that contest from oklahoma <laughs>
0: Yeah, Benjamin Harrison would have made a great Toys R Us CEO.
1: He would have been a great game show creator.
0: Yeah. Are you kidding me? Or game show host. I mean, he could have done it all. Yeah. He was a fucking crazy president. He was
1: He's forgettable. He didn't do very much. He did a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, he's tied up an entire hour of our podcast <laughs> with all of his quote unquote accomplishments. Yeah. Awesome. That's a good one. There now I go. know where Sooner, I've always wondered where Sooner came from. That's where it came from. And, was, I've, yeah. and I've never looked it up on the internet. Yep.
0: And that's why they embraced Boomer Sooner. Nice. Yep. Boomer. That's a
1: weird thing to embrace.
0: That is, a, Yeah. Again, questionable. Yeah. Questionable.
1: All right. You ready for mine? Let's hear it. The shopping cart was invented. <laughs> oh, God. In Oklahoma. In Oklahoma? Yeah. I'm going to
0: say false. It was invented in Arkansas along with Walmart.
1: No. You're, you're wrong. That's true. Really? The shopping cart was, in fact, invented in Oklahoma. So Sylvan Nathan Goldman introduced the shopping cart on June 4th, 1937, at a Humpty Dumpty supermarket in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The invention did not catch on immediately. (laughs) Why not? Men found them effeminate. (laughs) Women found them sexist. Yes. And suggestive of a baby carriage. After hiring several male and female models to push his new invention around his store and demonstrate their utility, as well as greeters to explain their use, (laughs) Goldman's shopping carts became extremely popular, and Goldman became a multimillionaire by collecting a royalty on every folding design shopping cart in the United States. Amazing. Good for Goldman to, like, stick it out. But I just, like, that feels so 1930s, where it's like, I won't push around that woman chariot on wheels yeah and then the women to to be uh, like how dare you assume that i can't carry four milk jugs
0: which is amazing that men and women were united united against the shopping cart we both hate it but for different reasons
1: <laughs> but just know that we hate it
0: you know do you use the shopping cart i do you, now. do you i do you bought into it i hate I'm getting still
1: halfway not. through and being like fuck my arms aren't as big as I thought I was. Yeah.
0: Mine, I always try to go, I always try to think about, like, what's the least amount of bulk that I can bring into the equation? So, like, I don't want to do the cart ever. Yeah. I'll do a basket if I know that I have to use something. But generally, I'll just try to carry it all in my arms. So I go, use the cart.
1: bachelor cart. I don't know if that's what they're called, but that's what I call them. The, the smaller carts mm-hmm. for bachelors. Oh, the little guys? Yeah, I use those. Is that
0: what they're, is that, is I that a new thing or a
1: maybe maybe I pick yeah bachelor cart like like you know a little bit bigger than the basket but not a full-size cart yeah I whip that sucker around the grocery store pretty quick yeah so drew I think this Oklahoma game is going to be an interesting one obviously there's a lot of history between Nebraska and Oklahoma which we touched on in the introduction but there's a lot of changes that are taking place at Oklahoma amongst the coaching staff but not not a terrible amount of change I don't think for the bad with maybe their players or their, their personnel that are going to be on the field. I think you and I are going to have some differing of opinions on where we see Oklahoma as far as the drop-off and the rebuilding, but I definitely do see this as a major philosophical change. So for me, the, the defense I think is going to get worse before it gets better, and that just comes from having someone like a, a Brett Venables in charge who has a different defensive philosophy – and is going to rebuild that team to be a defensive force in the Big 12. But I think we might align when it comes to offense as to uh, what Letty's going to bring to the table as the leader of that offense and how quick he's going to make some changes. So shoot some holes in what I just said or agree with me. Either way, I don't care.
0: (laughs) I I see good and quick changes on both sides of the ball. Okay. Um, I don't know how Oklahoma's defense can really get worse than it than it was and has been, and I think that you know that's all attributed to Venables and what he did at Clemson when he came in. Um, they, you know, Clemson wasn't a slouch on defense when he took over as their coordinator, but he instantly improved them. They didn't get better in terms of like the yardage and stuff that they gave up, but he shaved four and a half points off their first year, mm. um, which is a huge swing. Yeah. Um, and then, and then moving forward, like his defense is just improved and improved and improved. And then once they peaked, they held steady Yeah, and he never dropped off, which is fucking crazy. Cause Clemson would be constantly going through turnover because of the NFL draft. He, he just, he's the model of consistency. He's a defensive genius. Uh, Oklahoma's philo- philosophical shift is coming from um, the fact that Lincoln Riley was the offensive genius and now they're bringing in the defensive guy. Venables, I think, showed some early on maturity for a guy that that has never been a head coach by bringing in Jeff Libby from Ole Miss, who is the offensive guru, who likes that high flying, fast moving sort of offense. Uh, I'm I don't think that Oklahoma drops off. I think that last year they went 11 and two, and they they had a they had a good year by anybody else's right. standards. By their own standards, I don't think they lived up to expectations. I but I don't see them falling away from that. I think that, that that last year is is their base.
1: Here's, here's my biggest concern when it comes to Oklahoma's drop-off. Okay, And it does center around the defense. Because I, I, I do think Jeff Levy's going to come in and light up a storm. And I think his offensive mind fits very well within what the Big 12 does. I mean, yeah. it's a gunslinging conference. It is all about putting points on the board. I think even more so than the SEC or the ACC. They are about points on the board and less concerned with the defense. It's just get one more stop than the other guy. Right. Defensively, I'm concerned that when you've got players who are coming from Oklahoma of last year who don't share that philosophy of defense first, it might take a little time for them to get into that mindset, even with Brett Venables at the lead and having this guy be our head coach who's so focused on and has a great skill in defense. I think it's going to take a little time and you may even see some attrition midseason where you've got some lesser talented guys. Who are bought in over the more talented guys. And Venables is a fiery coach. He is not gonna put up with poor effort. So if you've got guys who aren't bought in on the philosophy, which a lot of Oklahoma's reported to have been bought in, but there's a lot of guys on a football team, and we don't know who is and is not bought in. I I, I just I think there is an opportunity. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think if there is a drop-off, it's because there is a philosophical difference between the head coach and the guys who are currently on that roster and that there might be some clashing of minds. Okay.
0: I can see that. You know, we saw that with Nebraska, obviously. And and, 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 and that's my that, point and of that's reference. Common. Um I think that I think that the attrition that Oklahoma saw after Lincoln Riley left is the vast majority of what you'll see. Um I don't think like Brent Venables is not a secret. I think the players would have researched they'd know who this guy is. he's a he's well known he's well respected for what he does and and he's already he's already made a counter move to that that sort of idea that people are going to leave the team. He's brought in guys he's he's already plugged in where he knows that Oklahoma needs people. He's brought he brought in Jeffrey Johnson who's a nose tackle from Tulane. He brought in Trey Morrison. He's a safety out of North Carolina. C.J. Golden, cornerback out of Wyoming. These are guys that have three or four years of experience on their teams. He's brought in the veteran presence. He's plugged the holes to complement the the young and the inexperienced and the talent that stuck with him from Oklahoma already. So just from, from what I've seen already from Brent Venable since he took over, I feel like he's got a really good grasp on this team, and he's already made some great moves to – to make up for its deficiencies.
1: I don't think you're wrong. I'm just saying if there is a chink in the armor. From my point of view. And our experience mm-hmm. as Husker fans. It's possible. Right? It's possible. Even with the golden boy returning. Brett Venables has a, a great history with Oklahoma. Even though he was a K-State player. He coached at Oklahoma. He was under Stoops. You know this guy's got an incredible pedigree. And he's a no-brainer choice to be leading this squad. I mean he's, he's an excellent hire absolute excellent hire and he is a football players coach i mean he really is a student of the game and one of the the best out there if there's a chance for a drop-off that's what i think it could be i think at worst this is a nine and three regular season team at worst
0: yeah i haven't looked at their schedule i can't give them a worst case scenario i guess in terms of record go how, how that goes i don't think they get worse than i don't think they i don't think they take a step back
1: how how big of a step forward do you think they could take offensively
0: Offensively, I think it's in I think it's incredible what they can do. I think they can put another touchdown on the board. They were really? they were just shy of Fuck. I know, well, cuz they were just shy of 40. It was the first time first time since 2014 that they fell short of averaging 40 points a game. I think they can put another touchdown on the board because Jeff Libby likes to go fast. They brought in Dylan Gabriel from UCF who he has experience with. That's a quarterback who knows the language of the offense and knows the offense itself. They've got Marvin Mims Jr. at wide receiver, who was a freshman All-American. Jeff Libby likes to funnel the ball to
1: one receiver.
0: He will give I don't think it's going to be Mims. You don't think it's going to be Mims? No, it's going to be Weiss. Theo, oh, Theo Weiss?
1: Yeah, yeah. Weiss is That's who they kept feeding during... the I mean, Mims had a few drops that were wide-open drops. He was a non-factor against Nebraska really last year. He was easy to cover and wrap up and... and but we ran all over town if we're looking at their spring game with, with yeah. you know, what Levy's done, which is that's the evidence we have. Yeah. He was pulling in the ball much more frequently. I think he's going to be a bigger issue. OK, regardless of who they it have. Is, they have options. They,
0: they need one guy. They need yeah. one guy to pull down 80, 90 balls and that's (laughs) (laughs) balls but that's what they do they don't they don't need they don't need they don't spread the ball out they just could get that get it to that one guy and i think dylan gabriel is going to be capable of doing that i think that i think that it's going to be a a quick and easy transition for this offense because it wasn't like this offense was bad no not at all right no and so they're just like putting a higher octane into the engine
1: i didn't think uh, dylan gabriel looked great In that game, he was consistent. He got the ball where it needed to be. But that's also the kind of player he is. He doesn't look outstanding. He's got a 60.7% completion rating over the three seasons. But what really pisses me off about him is his 70 touchdown to 14 interception ratio as a college football player. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. He's not a turnover guy. Yeah. Right? He's either going to have an incompletion because the ball just didn't get where it needed to go. Or the ball gets where it needs to go. And he's a guy who can absolutely air it out. And And I hate unimpressive looking players who play so damn well. And, and, and having grown up in Levy's system at UCF, uh, before Levy left for Ole Miss, he's got the experience like you're talking about on offense. I think the only thing that we have going for ourselves from a positive standpoint on this offense is their offensive line. That offensive line gave up 33 sacks last year and they return three of their starters. So if anything, we know Chins isn't afraid to dial up. We know that we've got some great pass rushers coming in who faced Oklahoma before in in uh, Oshan Mathis. We've got Garrett Nelson. We've got Luke Reimer. We've got Caleb Tanner. We've got Ty Robinson. We've got some serious guys with pass rushing abilities. I want to see these guys go off. I don't want to see a lack of effort on that front because I think our best chance at disrupting this passing attack is by putting constant pressure on Gabriel, who is going to still be a little bit rusty, only being three games in after having not played all of 21 with his clavicle injury.
0: Right. Yeah, I think, I think our defense will go a long way in saying how this game plays out, which is good because that's I think that's going to be the strength. With an offense that likes to move the ball quickly and go like hyper up-tempo, if, if that's not working out, you know, if they haven't implemented the system and it's not clicking against Nebraska, that can come back to haunt them. Especially if the defense isn't fully implemented also. Because you can gas your defense pretty fucking quickly. Yeah. You know, if, if you're going three and out, if you're not converting scoring opportunities.
1: Um why have all three of these fucking non-con games just felt like us talking about Nebraska, but talking about other teams? Right? Like it it,
0: it there's it, a lot uh, of similarities. It's weird and you start to start to wonder. I was wondering this because all of them say like, "Well, the offensive line's a big question mark," and it's like, <laughs> "Is it or is that just what we say about every fucking team? Like, is is every team is the biggest question on every offense, team's close their offensive line? Yeah, everything is if just only. one player away. Yeah, every
1: coach is on the hot seat. It really is all just fucking regurgitated at this point, but. Yeah, that's the that's a ringing endorsement for a podcast. About are, I've,
0: I've said it once. And I'll say it before. There are not enough Nebraska football fan podcasts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're like oh the God. third best one that talks about beer, even. And <laughs> <laughs> I think we're like that's the only <laughs> uh, oh, being man. the being the only Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild podcast, and we're we're not. We don't even crack the top ten. There we go. Yeah. Oh golly. So what do you think, Drew? Will the football gods be kind to us? Will they will they give us Oklahoma at home as they, well, they make- will, they'll let us watch it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> Big noon kickoff and, and their their T V station can't broadcast anymore. The gods are like, No, you can't watch this game.
0: Not happening. Oh shoot. No, I, I honestly I don't feel great about this one. Oklahoma, it was a one score game last year. We did perform better, I think, than most people expected. But if you look back at that game, statistically, our chances of winning that game was one of the worst games that we played in terms of like our opportunity to win it. Right. So I don't think I don't think it gets better this year. We're okay. we're also implementing a, an entirely new offense. And as good as it feels right now to say that, like, yeah, we got a new offense and we got Whipple and we got all these new players and Mickey Joseph and so on and so forth. Like I'm I'm drinking the Kool-Aid for sure but I but when I look at Oklahoma I can understand why it's important to kind of like check ourselves. So
1: So what's your prediction then?
0: Uh my prediction is a 27 to 21 loss. Really? Yeah, I think it's another low scoring game I think that the defenses really control this one. I I really I don't know something about there's something about Venables at Oklahoma and and the the people that he's brought on board, the players, the coaches. His system here, gearing up for their switch to the SEC, like it all seems like the perfect time for them. Uh, and I think that they come away with the victory against us.
1: Can I? Can I qualify my prediction? You're welcome to. If Nebraska enters this game at three and 0 with somewhat impressive or controlled performances against Northwestern, North Dakota, and Georgia Southern, okay. And Oklahoma enters this game two and zero, oh, having only played teams outside the group of five power five i like our chances it's it's not going to be astronomical we're probably not going to be favored but we're at home there's something on the line there's something to prove and i'm just a homer at the <laughs> end of the day
0: since you're bringing in ifs i'm gonna bring in some ifs okay, okay. all right so here and here's what i had so
1: um Point, wait hold on 27 24 nebraska that was my prediction but now oh, i feel yeah. like a piece of shit
0: <laughs> <laughs> wrong no okay so here's here's what i have cuz i i do have a really big if on my on my analysis i guess so nebraska so on offense nebraska needs to protect the quarterback they need to protect thompson right so we have our o line last year ranked 126 out of 130 in pass protection okay the one way the only proven way to beat a venables defense is to be pass-happy and good at fucking protecting your quarterback.
1: You got to do both?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pass-happy teams that are good at protecting their quarterback can beat Venables' defenses.
1: I can't wait for this offensive line to surprise you then.
0: When Venables was at Clemson in 2021, he he hit a blitz rate of 39.8%, which was seventh highest in the FBS. He likes to blitz. He yeah. likes to leave his corners and his safeties in one-on-one situations because he trusts them to take care of business, right? Right. It's it's this is not a this is just not a good matchup for Nebraska's offensive line and their pass protection. I don't understand how you can look at this game and feel good. <laughs> They'll never I see don't. us coming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I just. It's. It's still early. We're still pontificating. Let me just have my fun. Uh, I know. I will be have shitty fun. about this. Like in the actual season, not leading up <laughs> to. Nebraska's going to win every game in my too early prediction, probably. Yeah. If we're three and 0 and they're two and 0 going in this game, I'm still going to pick Nebraska. Fuck you.
0: I no. I'll, I honestly, once it gets up to the game time, I'll probably pick them too because I'm a fan. Like that's what I do. Right. I will fucking go. I'll be like fuck it, whatever. Here and here's why I will do it is because by the same by the same token the way to beat Oklahoma and their defense probably based on what I know which is little and nothing is is to win in these one-on-one matchups and if I've learned anything from this offseason. It's that Mickey Joseph is here to fucking save Nebraska. Yes. And his wide receiver core is going to save Nebraska. Yes, And Omar Manning on the outside and Trey Palmer underneath is going to create all sorts of mismatches. And if Oklahoma is going to rely on these one-on-one matchups, Nebraska is going to take advantage. Yes. And And, Ramir Johnson catching the ball out of the back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying there's not hope. I'm not going to go. fuck. I'm not like off the deep end here. I'm not like in gloom and doom despair. I don't think that it lines up well for us at this point, but there's still, I guess there's still some reasons to be optimistic. So all right, there you have it. All right. So that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation.
1: Don't forget to follow us on social media at ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on Backswing Brewing Company at backswingbrewing.com. And check your local craft beer retailer for their canned offerings. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation.
1: Tune in next week as we sit down with more Nebraska craft beer and preview Nebraska's Big Ten East crossover opponents. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. It's been just like you would expect. The fire hose has fully inserted uh, in my mouth here, and uh, we've been blowing and going.